Hey guys, it's Murph. This week on the Unside Podcast, I was able to catch up with Max Gale from RCA Records. Uh, Max runs uh, touring and marketing over there, and uh, this is a great conversation for anybody that's looking to get into touring or anybody that's looking to really figure out ways to to optimize what they're doing so that they can start to make a little bit of money and, and also have a greater impact with you know their fans and audience. So without further ado, let's get into it. Yo, this is Max Gale, Associate Director of Tour Marketing and Events at RCA Records, and uh, I just want to thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, man, I appreciate you being here. Glad, um, glad we can make this happen. Uh, you know, it's funny too. When we first met, we didn't really know about our history of both starting out at Def Jam, and then uh, you know we got into all that. So, so yeah, I'm glad, no, uh, you know, we, yeah, glad we were able to find that. Um, but yeah, so let's just kind of start at the top with everything too, man. Um, how did you, you know, b- before you got, you know, your kind of first official start at Def Jam, how did you get into music in the first place? Got you. Um, so I guess it already like goes back to just growing up. And um, I'm of Jamaican descent. So just growing up in my household, um, my mom played a bunch of like reggae and also Michael Jackson. So that's kind of where I got my first intro to music was just growing up in a Jamaican household. Um, But within that, uh, I grew up in the mean streets of uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. So if some people know that, that's pretty much like a wrestling reference, thanks to Shane McMahon, who uh, put us on the map, you know. Um, So, yeah, growing up in, like, the suburbs of Greenwich, there really wasn't, like, real a real, like, urban community, per se. Um, But just as a kid growing up and going to, like, the teen nights, um, that's how I kind of fell in love with music and breakdancing, you know. So that's really where I got my other start in the culture of uh, hip-hop, you know. So, like, the four elements of, like, graffiti, breakdancing, DJing, and all that stuff, and emceeing. Um, that's kind of where I first got exposed to it was like the teen night. So my friends started breakdancing. I was like, you know what, let me try this out. So from that, that kind of transitioned to getting into the high school. And at the high school, um, when you are signing up as like a freshman, you get to take your elective courses. And I remember just sitting in the auditorium when we had our like, uh, what do you call it? Like the the first day you kind of go in, you get to start picking your classes. Um, there was a class for electronic music. And I was kind of just like, oh, what is this? Like, you can actually make beats? Like, I never really knew that that was a thing, that you can actually like, make the records. Um, so that's kind of really where I got my passion for music was making beats. And I started off in ninth grade in, like, the intro course of electronic music. And then over time, just, like, I just kept getting better at it. And my teachers saw that I was really excelling in that. So I think even in my sophomore year, they put me in the advanced class and, Year after year, I kept doing it. So shout out to Barbara Friedman, who was my teacher. And she was like, really the only teacher who kind of believed in me in high school, you know, like, I had like decent grades, but nothing amazing. But it was my music teacher who kind of championed me and was like, hey, man, you actually have a career uh, ahead of you, and you could do something with this. And she kind of was the one who just got me to focus on music and that's really where like the passion started um and then it was like I guess going into college where I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I didn't really know where to apply and so that first year out of um high school I ended up going to a community college uh in Norwalk um which is a couple towns over because like I said I saw my friends going off to college and I just didn't really have a, a path of where I wanted to go so I just went to community college for a year, got my shit together, got my GPA up, 
And I was like, you know what? Let me apply to Hofstra University out in Long Island. Um, I had a friend who went there. I didn't even look at the school. I knew nothing about the tuition, um, which is a mistake. I don't I don't think anyone should do that. But um I saw I saw my friend going there and I was like, you know what, let me try. I want to go to a university. I want to learn more about music business um, and just marketing in general. So I applied to Hofstra and I got in. Um, so yeah, that was kind of what steered the course for me. And it wasn't until I would say my junior year at Hofstra when my aunt approached me and was like, hey, Max, like you're in college. What are you trying to do with your life? And I was kind of just like, hey, I, I really don't know. She's like, well, you do music. Would you ever intern at a record label? And I was like, oh, wait, like you can actually do that. So thanks to my aunt Angela, she put me on um, to interning at uh, Island Def Jam because at the time she was working at ABC News and she must have done some special with Lionel Richie and she kept in touch with the head of the publicity department at Island Def Jam, which was Laura Swanson. So thanks to Laura Swanson. I think she's over at like Warner Brothers now. Um, they gave me a shot as an intern. So I kind of went in one day for an interview and the interview lasted maybe five minutes. They kind of just liked my personality and saw that I was like a hungry kid who really wanted to learn about the industry. Um, so yeah, I got in as an intern at Island Def Jam in the publicity department. And that's kind of where everything started to go. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That that's such an awesome story too, and and very similar to you know myself and a lot of people, especially during the college years, right? Like kind of knowing exactly what you want to do. Like for me, it was you know I knew what I wanted to do, but then you know I went to the wrong school, you know for for yeah. those same reasons, right? Not looking at tuition, just seeing that they had a program, and then learning that the program wasn't exact what I wanted to do and then having to navigate all that and then yeah ultimately for me same thing it was like senior year of college got a got the internship at Def Jam and um yeah and, and things started to roll from there so like, you know such a small world such a small world yeah and the funny part that that internship almost didn't happen um specifically because I know for a lot of kids now um you have to get college credit when it comes to these things right. and at the time when I got this I find mind you I got this on my own like the school didn't really help me out so when I went to HR and I was like hey I'm gonna do this internship they're like cool like did you get the letter and certification from your school I was like oh wait I have to do that and they're like yeah yeah so I go back to my school and I'm telling them like, hey, I got this internship opportunity. Like, this is a great thing for me. And they're like, okay, yeah. So you have to enroll in this course and take out um, this whatever loan for school. And I'm like, oh, wait, that means more money I got to pay. Like, I don't have that. So at first, like pretty much my school was like telling me, no, they couldn't do anything for me. And I was like, screwed. I was like, I don't have money to take out to do this. So um, essentially, I ended up lying to my school and told them, like, hey, I'm going to take out this loan, but I just need you guys to sign off on this um, form now. And as soon as the loan comes out, I will sign the course and we'll be good. And I don't know, someone was just looking out for me because um, I went back, I did my internship, and no one from the label, no one from the school kind of went back and forth. I never took out the loan. Um, so I kind of just was like an illegal intern, which I know doesn't fly today. <laughs> um, but during our time, you understand that it was a little bit like easier to get through that stuff. But with yeah. that being said, I kind of knew that I had to like hustle because I didn't know when the clock was going to expire on that. And I was just like, hey, Max, this is your chance to bust your ass, show them that you really want to be here. You really want to learn and like just be a valued asset. So if something does open up, 
um, th there's your chance, you know? And then eventually yeah. something did open up after like me doing it semester after semester, um, coming back, even when like I wasn't getting credit, I was commuting from Connecticut. Uh, I was still at the Boys and Girls Club in Greenwich as a camp counselor. And anytime I had free time, I'd come into the city and like even help other interns. Um, and thanks to my um, old supervisor, Ali Bianchi, she's over at um, Atlantic Records now. Um, we had a Hofstra connection. So one day I wanted to come back because I wasn't hearing back from my old supervisor. And she was like, oh, yeah, so where do you go to school? And I was like, Hofstra. And she was like, I went to Hofstra. So boom, that helped me out right there. And I got right back in the building, started hustling again. And within a few months, um, a position opened up in the publicity department. And that was kind of my start. Nice. And, and I was going to say, so that was, you know, you started interning at Def Jam and then the, the first official job was in the publicity department, right? Correct. Yeah. I, I became Oops. an assistant um, back in September of 2009 um, for two women in the department, Melissa Victor and uh, Lauren Schneider. So those were my two bosses who gave me my first shot um, yeah. in the industry. And, and at that time, there was obviously a, a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, Justin Bieber obviously was, was one yep. of the big signings that time. He was really starting to hit. Um, so yeah, like what, what were some of the biggest successes you kind of had in that role and, and, and during that time, um, you know, where the world was really starting to shift at that point, right? Like everything was really starting to come online. So I'm sure the kind of role of the publicity was really starting to change from more traditional, um, you know, uh, old school media, you know, TV and radio and, and print to a little bit more digital. So yeah, talk a little bit about that time specifically in, in, in some of the big successes that you had. Yeah, man, it was really cool, like, starting off, because, like you said, um, Justin Bieber was a, a newly signed artist, so I remember him as, like, a 15-year-old kid, like, skateboarding through the, the offices of Def Jam, you know, like, <laughs> that's the stuff, like, I didn't think about, like, like I said, man, I used to be a camp counselor, so I yeah. had, like, experience <laughs> with kids, so that was kind of cool, being like, yo, who's this kid, and, like, what is he doing right now? Um, and then, like, the other cool thing is, like, I worked with, like, artists like Jeremiah and Ludacris and The Killer and fallout boy and like starting to do like phone interviews with them and making their press kits and sending it out to all the media outlets for my bosses um so that was just a really cool time because it's just like who gets that opportunity out the gate you know um yeah. it was just an amazing time so i think one of the i would say like the biggest success for me was um as i grew in the department in like my bosses were giving me more uh, opportunity to do like pitching, pitching and uh, coordinating artist interviews and accompanying artists to like the TV tapings and press interviews. After they kind of gave me the chance to like grow in that role, they're like, hey, Max, we wanted you, you to do some like tour press. So while the artists are on the road and um, promoting for their tour, I would be pitching them to morning TV and pitching them for, um, different type of interviews to come to the, the venues and see them before the show, all that stuff. But the biggest thing for me was um, I was working with the boy band, The Wanted, which um, they were like a pretty big boy band before One Direction popped up. Yeah. Um, and I got them one of their like first morning TV bookings in like Good Day, San Diego, you know? And for me, like, that was just crazy. Cause like I said, I didn't have any real experience in publicity. It was more so I learned everything during my internship and just watched how my bosses pitched and how they would um, approach things, you know? Um, so that was like the biggest success for me was just as like pretty much just assisting getting a morning TV deal 
for these guys that were like a pretty hot boy band at the time. So that was just like one thing for me that I was like, man, like, this is fun. Like, this is really cool. I, I did it. And then yeah. the next one would come, the next one would come, these interviews would come. Um, I was getting like all these different looks for these artists. And that's how I started to grow with the management teams. And when I would see the artists at the TV, they're like, Oh, Hey Max, what's up, man? How are you? So it made me really, feel valued and like I was really bringing something to the table and also helping my bosses out so so I think that was kind of one of my uh cool successes early on that's dope and then you know I also like to ask this question too like on the flip side what was you know what do you think was you know I normally say what was one of your your biggest failures but was uh, I want to rephrase that like what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned during that time I would say, um, especially in that department, I would say attention to detail. Um, because like I said, in publicity, you're the one commuting, communicating a lot of information to the company, uh, also to a lot of other outlets who are going to take that message and spread it all over. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think one of the early mistakes that I did was um, while doing a blast to like all these media outlets from my boss's computer, I used the wrong term of your, like you're invited. It was like Y-O-U-R instead of Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Um, and yeah, that's not a good look when you're doing it from your boss's <laughs> computer. Um, so that's kind of something I learned very early on was like pay attention to detail. Um, yeah. Cause definitely I heard it. And like, like I said, you never want to put your boss in that position where they're looking crazy, you know, and that's something yep. so small, but so big at the same time. Um, and like I said, that translates to anything you do, because like I said, if you're dealing with like a contract of some sort or sending out a press release and you have like one fact wrong, um, that that's a big deal. So I feel like for everyone in their role, it's just paying attention to detail because those minor things can cause major mess ups. And uh, that that was something I learned early on. And now I try to like triple check things before it goes out um, just so you don't look crazy. Yeah, for sure. It's always that that one time that it happens to you that you're just like, yeah, man. you carry that one forever. And you're like, yo, triple check every single thing. And, and yeah, could, yeah. Could sorry, Melissa. I, I'll never live that one down. <laughs> that was my yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, cool. So that kind of just brings us up to, you know, kind of kind of the current time and and you know as you mentioned earlier you know you're over at rca now you know doing kind of a mix of you know publicity and, and management and, and touring kind of all that stuff wrapped in into one so really wanted to pick your brain about um what it is that you're doing in your current role over at rca so you know just jumping right into kind of nitty-gritty details um you know so you you kind of, when you started out, you were at Def Jam, you worked kind of across the board, no one specific genre, right? Um, you know, is that still the same thing at RCA? Or are you, are you focused on like, yo, know, you only deal with hip hop acts or you only deal with the pop acts? How does it, how does it work over there? Yeah, so pretty much, um, so the department I'm in is tour marketing and um, tour marketing and events. So at other labels, like sometimes it's called artist development, sometimes it's called touring and logistics, but pretty much we all do the same thing um, in terms of setting up promo uh, schedules for our artists, um, booking travel for the artists, 
Um, if we want to do a specific showcase for an artist or an artist, like a playback event, our team are the ones like scouting out the venues for this, um, coming up with the schedules, ordering the backline and doing all that nitty gritty stuff. So, so that's kind of where my world travel, uh, transitioned from. I used to be in publicity and then, um, I think it was around like 2000 and, uh 12 ish i transitioned to tour marketing so that's kind of where i'm in now so but here at rca yeah it's kind of split up we have about five to six people in our department and we split up the roster not really based on genre but we kind of break it down by the product managers that we work with um so some of them we kind of deal with like all rock in certain categories. Some might do more pop and EDM. Some might do a lot of our hip hop artists. So it's kind of split across the board. Me, per, um, personally, a lot of my artists that I deal with are like alt rock, pop, some EDM. So some artists like Grizzly Bear, um, this girl group Muna, this DJ Amtrak, um, and another all artists by the name of Gabriel Black. Those are all artists that I actually do the logistics for. So if they're in town for like promo, I'm setting up like the ground to make sure they get from point A to point B, um, coming up with the schedule. So that's talking to the pu publicity team and be like, hey, what outlets do they need to go to? Hey, radio, what station are they going to? From what time to what time? Oh, digital. Oh, they need to go over to Vivo. Okay, let's lock that in. And it's coming up with that and just communicating that between the label and the management team. So everyone's on board, everyone knows what's going on. And we're just maximizing um, the time that that artist is in that given market and just making sure they're getting around, you know? So yeah, yeah. we kind of spread it around. Um, it's not really one genre based. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you know, within that, um, I, I think, you know, and as we had, you know, kind of previously talked, you're, you're talking to, you know, or, or you're helping do all the logistics in the back end, planning all these details for like a wide range of, of artists, right? I'm sure some are like yeah. top priority artists and, and some of the artists are like just starting out, just got signed, very wet behind the ears. So for, Correct. you know, in, in that regard, kind of want to talk about some of the artists that are just starting out, right? Um, what are, you know, what are some of the, or let me say this, what is one big mistake that you see artists make uh, when they're first starting out with their tours? Got you. Um, so one mistake that I see a lot of, and let's say like, we're just going to kind of focus on the developing artists. Cause yeah, I feel yeah. like that's kind of the people who really need to hear this stuff and figure Absolutely. it out. So, um, a lot of the newer artists, like say like rappers or pop acts or bands when they're, um, just coming up, a lot of things that I see them do is ask for a high amount of tour support. Um, so a lot of people aren't really familiar with what tour support is. It's pretty much like the financial support that a label is giving to a touring act. So when an artist is going on the road, obviously they need funds um, because they might not be making that much income on this tour, especially when they're just signing, uh, starting out. So the label will kick in money that will help cover a bunch of light items, such as like per diems, which is the daily allowance that they get. Sometimes that's like 25 to $35 a day per person on the road. Um, money for line items such as travel accommodations, the flights you need to get from point A to B, um, hotels in certain markets, um, equipment, the v uh, vehicle rental for gas, um, and pretty much any other type of like uh, expenses that come up when you're on the road. So um, a lot of artists, I've seen them ask for a high amount of tour support. Um, and again, you remember, you got to get that money back. You got to recoup that. So um, that's the biggest thing is like these artists are asking for an exponential amount 
when they kind of can uh, trim that down. You know what I mean? You don't really need that big sprinter van your first time out. You can get a, a regular van that's going to get you from point A to point B at like half the cost. Um, I'm sorry, but your manager and tour manager and every individual in the band doesn't need their own single room. Like, yeah, I understand that sometimes you need to do that, but if you want to keep costs low, sometimes you can get three to four people in a room. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest thing is that like, all artists when they're starting out should be trying to keep costs to a minimum because like i said you're not probably making the best income on that first tour um so that's the best thing is like keep those costs low and just try to just hustle hustle on this tour make the money that you can and then on that next tour once you build your audience you're going to probably be able to ask for less tour support and you're going to be making more income and that works out for you so that's the best thing is just like when you're starting out try to keep those costs low instead of um just trying to look good for that first run it's the it's the humble hustle that's what i like to call it yeah for sure i i think um you know having done a number of those tours you know uh years ago working with some acts that were on the come up like just saw the value in that you know what i mean it's it's yeah. um th there's like number one it's a psychological thing too i think um it also helps if you you know can keep keep yourself in that like kind of underdog state you know what i I mean, if you're trying yeah. to go out in your first run and you you want the big bus and you want X, Y, and Z, you then get accustomed to that and you don't really understand the value of the hard work. And now you're just kind of pissing away money because you think, well, I'm not paying for it now. It's like, yeah, you may not be footing the bill for it now, but you're going to pay in the long run to your point because the label is exactly. essentially loaning you that money. So why don't you, you know, just trim down on all those costs, keep it super nitty gritty. And, and your point, you know, the reason that you're out on the road, the focus should be to, to uh, stay in touch with your fans and really build that family. It's not about like you living this luxurious lifestyle. Like don't, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face. Um, so yeah, I couldn't 100%. agree with you more to just like keep everything as, as minimal as possible and really focus on the work. The work is making great music and connecting with your fans. All the other stuff will come if you do that. Yep. And you can get some great content out of that too. Yeah. And if you just get one dude capturing some, uh, some uh, behind the scene footage of you in that little humble hustle, like, like I said, man, you've seen some of these careers go from zero to a hundred real fast. So yep. just capturing those moments of raw, like, Hey, we're on the road hustling. And then, like I said, who knows on that next tour, like you get a hit single and shit fucking takes off like maybe you'll get that bus, but like your fans want to see you grow and they kind of want to see that journey with you. So like I said, man, you just keep, keep the cost low and just hustle. Absolutely. So, you know, we were talking about kind of the, the back end logistics stuff, you know, um, just a second ago, what about, or now I kind of want to shift focus slightly and talk about the show itself. You know, what do you yeah. think makes a great show for, for an up and coming <clears throat> act? You know, what should they be focusing on uh, in those early days? Got you. Um, so, like, I, I say my biggest thing when I'm at a live show is I kind of just want to feel that energy and the passion um, from the artist. You know what I mean? Like I said, like, you, there's only so much you get out of hearing the record on Spotify or Apple. Um, but when you see that artist on stage, like, that's really where you want to connect. Um, so for the artist in their live show, like, that's the first thing. Like, you just got to have some heart in there and just showing, like, hey, I'm up here because you guys support me and I want to put on an amazing show. So that, that's my biggest thing is like crowd engagement and making an, ex an experience for your fans, you know, 
Um, the perfect example of a young artist doing a great job of this. Um, the other day, we have this artist, Audrey Mika. Um, she did a show at uh, Mercury Lounge the other night. And I think yeah, this was like her first. You know, Small World, yep. just to cut you off, too. Uh, a friend of mine was the opening act on that that tour, Solely Had. Oh, so, oh, exactly, bro. And I saw him, too. Once he got up there and he did his thing with the guitar. Yeah, he's um, dope, man. I was like, wow, this this kid's got it, too, man. That, that's crazy. I didn't know that was uh, yeah. coming. That's dope. Yeah, nah, he did his thing, too, man. So, to, again, so that's the thing. Was like, And I saw him taking, taking um, the, what do you call it? Uh, just taking the opportunity to connect with the fans. Cause like, who knows, that wasn't maybe like his core demo, but like he made sure to connect with each of those girls in the front row yep. and kind of yep. was like telling stories and it, making it a moment, you know? Um, so like I said, swinging back to Audrey, um, to just the way I saw her connecting with the audience and telling these little stories in between songs and playing a secret song that they didn't know about and pulling up a fan on stage who was one of the early fans that supported her. Just those little tidbits make it an experience for all the people in the room. And it's not just your regular show, you know? So like just seeing the passion and just seeing those, those little tiny pieces are what's gonna make her go from doing a Mercury Lounge on this run to the next run doing a Bowery Ballroom. And then from there going to a Terminal 5, you know what I mean? Um, like I said, I've seen Khalid go from SOBs to friggin' playing Radio City. So like I said, yeah. once you connect with those fans and keep working on crowd engagement and making it an experience for your, your fans so when they come in, they're not just like, oh, I paid for, for this. They kind of get something out of it and they have a moment that they felt that they connected with you. I, I think that's the biggest thing that these artists should be working on and just making it a moment, you know? Yeah, I think um, it goes, you know, I talk to artists about this a lot, too. It's like, and, you know, going back to kind of a quick basketball reference, you got to be able to shoot a, a layup before you can shoot a three-pointer. You know, everybody's like, yeah, I want to be playing in front of 2,500 people. It's like, yeah, but if you don't know how to connect in front of, like, five people and make them feel something yeah. and be comfortable on stage, you performing in, 20, in front of 2,500 people doesn't mean anything. There's going to be no longevity. You know, you may do that a, a couple of times, but you're not going to be able to sustain that over, you know, the long haul. And that is the goal, right? To be able to, you know, turn this into a lifelong career, not have a quick little two-year run where yeah. you get some big shows and then you kind of fizzle out. And I think a lot of the times that happens with somebody who gets a hit record right off the bat, they do a big tour, and then they just expect that all the time when it's like, you should be starting off small, right? Keeping your costs down on the road, making sure, you know, those small shows that you're playing for three, 400, 500 cap, you're making sure that those people really feel your music. You're able to look at them like one-on-one -on -one and make them feel, yeah. you know, it's like you go back and you look at all these old Jay-Z videos when he was like early nineties, mid nineties, before he really blew up, you see people like turning away in the crowd. They're like, Oh my God, who is this dude? <laughs> What's this? Now, yeah, man. yeah. And then now you see him like, you know, when he went on the four, four, four tour, he makes you feel like it's just you and him. He has, he's so comfortable on stage. He's able to like single people out and talk to them and be like, yo, I, I see you person in the front row. And that, person's going to remember that moment for the rest of their lives because they're like holy yep. shit he knows me that's what you want to create because that's what yep. people are yearning for that connection so yeah could, couldn't agree with you more 
Yeah, um, Travis Travis Scott is another artist that yes, does uh, amazing yeah. like that. Like if you if you saw the documentary, you see it yeah. where he shows the footage yeah. where there was like ten people in the crowd and then you pan to what he's doing now. And like like I said, he's still inviting those fans up and connecting and being like, yo, you sing the lyrics with me. Like yeah. like that that just goes such a long way, man. So I say like artists, you just just making a moment for those people who are investing their their dollar to come see you and yep. they're the ones streaming your music like you, you just got to look out for your fans man for sure for sure um want to switch gears slightly talk about finances for a second um yeah. you know under, understanding that uh, especially the finances of touring and doing shows is something that obviously a lot of artists don't really have a big grasp on they're they're more so focused on the music but what should they have at least a general understanding of when they're first starting out, right? They don't necessarily need to be an accountant, but are there a couple of things that they should keep in mind right off the bat to just be like, Hey, I need to watch these things. Uh, again, I want to make sure that we're giving this information to people so that it, they can keep it on top of mind so that they can have long sustainable careers. And I think there are some yeah. nitty gritty things that like, you know, of that, that artists aren't taking advantage of or paying attention to. So I want to make sure that we highlight that. Got you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I know a bunch of artists, like, the main thing they want to deal with is the creative. Um, but at the end of the day, this is your money. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to watch your money and understand how a budget works and how finances work. Because if you don't and you kind of bat an eye at this and don't really keep track of it, um, people are going to take your money. You know, you don't really know where it's going. Um, and you really can't blame anyone but yourself because you see it all the time where artists are like, oh, I had bad business accounting. But at the end of the day, you weren't paying attention to your money, which you should have, you know. Um, so, like, I think a thing that a lot of artists can, like, start looking at when on the early side of things is, like, know how to settle a show. Like, know the understandings of basic math. And, like, one of the, the main things I think new acts should look up, there's something called, like, percentage of net deal or a door deal. Because um, I think starting out, that's kind of the, the deals you're going to be seeing um, where it's like, all right, these are the, the monies that were generated based off pre-sale tickets and sale tickets at the door. And then you get a percentage of those, um, excuse me, the net box office receipts after taxes and expenses come out of that. That's kind of what you're getting. Um, but if you don't know that, you, you might be paying towards something else. You're like, what are those venues expenses? Like, so you kind of got to dig into that and just do some research and also have a good team around you and people you trust. You know what I mean? Like, don't just hire your homeboy because he's your homeboy, but get someone who like might be good at math, someone who knows some accounting um, and just has your best interest. But at the same time, like all this stuff, we're in the age of Google and YouTube are right there. Um, you can just Google how to settle a show and the answers are right there. So I would say definitely just do the research of what type of deals you're doing um, and figuring all that out. Um, I also tell people like get an actual calculator and don't do this stuff on your phone um, because a lot of the times you're just like not thinking and you might be on Instagram or you have something else that just keep, takes you off of, off of the distraction of what you actually need to be working on. So um, that's one thing I'd say, invest in a real calculator when you're on the road. So when you're doing this stuff, you kind of lock in. Um, but there's also little things like ticket counts. How many tickets do we sell? How many ticket comps do we get in a given market? What ticket giveaways is the stations in the, in the area doing? This is obviously as you get bigger. Um, 
but yeah, that's the, the biggest thing. I said a lot of artists just focus on the creative and don't really take the time to learn about this stuff, but you, you really got to kind of lock in on like the, the understanding of this stuff because that's how money just starts to disappear. And then the next thing you know, you're in the red. So um, just knowing the basic math, knowing these different types of deals and guarantees and all that good stuff is really going to help an artist out who's on the road. Yep, absolutely. Um, aside from aside from just those basic understandings, what are some other things that they should be paying attention to? You know, obviously where the money's going, what it's being spent on, you know, who's signing that, um, you know, but are there, are there some other things that uh, acts should focus on um, slightly outside, like, you know, kind of money adjacent, like how should they um, be looking to promote each one of their shows? Like, are, are there some, some tips and tricks that they, some areas that they should focus on when, when trying to actually bring people out? Got you. Um, so yeah, like if you're, if you're on the road, like say you're a young artist and you're opening for someone else and you kind of already know the markets you're going to be hitting up, like, yo, hop on your Instagram, you hop on your Facebook, reach out to the fans, be like, Hey, we're going to be in Minneapolis today. Yo, what's the good spot to eat? Hey, meet us here at uh, Joe's Crab Shack. And you know what I mean? Like just talk to your yeah. fans and connect. And like, they kind of want to see that. Like they want to, kind of humanize it through, you know? Um, I remember when I was doing some touring stuff for Mike Posner, when he was in the market, he would like meet up with his fans in a park and have these little like jam sessions, you know? And like, like I said, it's just making these moments for the fans where they just feel some type of value of supporting you, you know what I mean? So just doing little things like that, that kind of hypes people up when you're coming into the market. Um, again, do the humble hustle of reaching out to like whatever college um might be in that market there might be a radio station there there might be a magazine there that will do an interview with you to hype up and advance the show for you um they might be like hey come and do a pre-show interview with us and we'll promote the song and we might give away four tickets to fans you know what i mean um you can invite bands to a sound check party and be like hey come to the venue watch the sound check so that's the whole thing it's like while you're on the road you really just want to keep expanding your audience you want to keep just promoting yourself. Um, but yeah, use, use your strengths. Like if you're really strong on IG, get on IG. If you're strong on Twitter, get on Twitter. If you're strong on Facebook, get on Facebook. Um, but that, that's the biggest thing is like, at the end of the day, this is the show business and you got to deliver a great show. Um, so that's the one thing I think you really got to focus on because it, it takes time, you know, like you're not going to be an all-star on your first run. Um, you just got to keep going and keep learning. And again, like, again we're in the digital media uh what's it called landscape everything's right here at your grasp so hop on youtube other artists you like watch what they're doing at their shows go to other shows and learn um just see what someone else is doing that you aren't doing how can you implement that into your blueprint um that that's just one of the other keys i think is really going to help a developing act on the way um yeah. on their journey yeah and, and i think uh so many gems in there and, and i think the other thing too to, to note you know, although you work at, at a label and, and, you know, clearly there's um, funds behind these acts, you know, for, for you to actually do a good job and help these people promote. 
a lot of what you're saying is also just true for anybody, right? So for that unsigned yeah. act that's looking to do a little regional tour, like all of these things hold true. Like make sure you get a good van, pay attention to your money. Uh, when you're going into new markets, like you can still hit up all those people. That doesn't, you not being signed to a record label or you not having a major budget doesn't stop you from hitting those people up. It doesn't stop you from doing all the research beforehand to find those, you know, those sneaker shops to pop into to go promote the, yeah. the day before the day of to like do all of these things to really generate some buzz because the goal is that you're able to do that a couple of times and by the third or fourth time you start to hit that market that's when fans are actually starting to come out and and pay money so you know it's you know that said it's obviously very tough to to do that if you don't have the funds but it is achievable and it really is about doing the work and and, and yeah just like you said being on that humble hustle yeah and like i said man a lot of this like uh, the label's only going to give like work with what you give them, you know? So like that's yeah. what a lot of people think like once you sign to a label, Oh, I'm golden. I'm good. Nah, man. Like you still got to bust your ass because like at the end of the day, like they're only going to fan the flames. So like you still got, it's on you to make shit hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the thing where I say invest in a good van, get around, keep costs low um work on developing your connection with your local fans hit every market like an artist that i saw early on when i was at def jam um was logic you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. shout out to chris and harry over at visionary because to see what they did with that kid was was fucking mind-blowing you know what i mean like i really remember like when he wasn't a big priority in that building um he was kind of just this kid he was getting his double xl looks he was getting his records out but he was building he was on the road he was connecting with fans he was just killing it and i remember when he did a sold out show at irving plaza and just seeing it and then i would say within a year like i saw the the the, the whole everything all the attention shifted and he already had invested all that wealth into his fans where it was like now you just see like it's it's crazy man like the number one uh, all these performances he's doing, like, and that's, like I said, that's just from hustling and like yep. working and building an audience from the ground up. Um, so I, like I said, I always got to salute Chris and Harry for what they did with that project and, and how they got it to that point. So that's just, it's just amazing, man. Yeah. I think, uh, oftentimes, um, you know, and, and we all, you know, are victim of this, not not victim, but we all do this to ourselves in, in various aspects of our lives, but we tend to look at the end result you know, and, and say, Oh, look at this person. Like, yeah, he was able to do that. Cause he's logic. You know what I mean? But if you yeah, really yeah. pull back the curtain, it's like, no, he was the guy who did the actual work. You know, he didn't do anything that was special, like so special. He put in the time and effort. He knew that his music was special and that he could connect with people, but then he didn't just stop there. He knew like, Oh, I have, have to actually go shake people's hands and I have to work with them. Uh, just especially given, uh, you know, the age we're in, you know, the fans want that. Yeah, so being 100%. able to, to do that, you know, that's how we got to this point. It didn't happen overnight. You know, it's, he really put in like the legwork of doing all the shit that people don't want to necessarily do. But I think, again, it's important. One of the things I want to strive to do is have these conversations to let people know, like, you know, you got it. You, it can happen for you. You just have to be willing to put in the work that's necessary, you know, to, to get to that point. So yeah, exactly. couldn't agree more. And then you'll get to amazing. a point where you can coast and you could just pick and choose the things you want to do. Yeah. But early on, 
I think it's 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 just so valuable to to do those little things because um, yeah. it's going to go a long way for you in the end. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, man, we're coming down to uh, to the wire here. Um, you know, but just wanted to check in on a couple of more things, a uh, few other notes here. Um, you know, any any resources you know for artists to use to to kind of find inspiration for kind of any any of these things, right? How you know tour hacks, uh, how to make their show more unique. Anything that that you would advise people to to go and check out. Got you. I mean, I feel I feel like the best thing is just getting out there and going to live shows. Um, like I said, that's the the fun part of my job um, is that I get to go to these shows. Um, I get to bring my wife. I get to bring my son. Like he went to his first music festival when he was two months old. Um, <laughs> and like I said, I mean, it's, it's very. I think that's very early. But like he's gone to see the Foo Fighters at MSG oh, on my awesome. shoulders. Awesome. Um, it, it's crazy. So I exposed him very, very young. Um, but I think for artists, like get out there, man. Just go see, go see shows. That's that's the biggest thing. Um, my wife took me to see um, an artist that she loves called Guster. Like I didn't really know what to expect. I I know some of the songs, but I didn't know much. Um, and I went as a fan. So just standing in the middle of a crowd and then seeing this artist that I didn't know anything about coming into the crowd, singing with the audience, and like that that was an amazing night for me. Someone who is just a fan, but like I left that being like, oh, that's how you connect. Like you do these little things. So, and like I said, that's a show I, w I wouldn't even think about going to, you know? So yeah. shout out to my wife for doing that. Um, <laughs> but I also say like, just get out there, man. Like get out your comfort zone, um, go to a pop show. There might be something with the lighting that they do that might be cool. Um, go to these alt rock shows. Like it's it, it, it just crazy, man. Like I just watched this kid do like a backflip off the second floor of balcony, this dude named Jaleel. Um, and like, I don't know anything about the music, but now I'm tuned in because something about that just caught my attention. And I was like, I need to kind of know what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's captivating. Like just going to these shows where you're captivating and it's an experience. Um, that's the biggest thing I could say is just going out and seeing what other people are doing and how can you, how can you tune that into what you're doing and make it something where, Hey, now I know how to convey this message to my audience and expand my message. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I love that. You just, you, it's great to experience things yourself. You know, it's like obviously YouTube and, and the internet is there for you to check those out, but you, you do have to go there so that you can feel it in your chest and be like, Oh, that's what that actually does to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, couldn't agree more. But uh, but yeah, man. Uh, uh, you know, coming down to the to the wire here. Uh, appreciate the time once again. But you know, before we get you out of here, thank you, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just obviously want you to plug everything you're working on. So yeah, what are you know some some current projects that you're working on that you're super excited about? Where can people find you? Uh, all that good stuff. Uh -huh. All right, cool. Yes, yeah, so, I mean in the building, uh, the current tours that I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, we got Kate Renata. He's coming up. Um, that's what I'm really, really excited for because yeah. his album, that Bubba Project, was so dope. And the last so time we good. were supposed to see him was that Gov Ball, but that got shut down because of the rain. Like, we literally just got to the stage and he got shut down. So wow. I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to the Young Nudie tour just because his project just came out and he's heating up in the streets. Um, another project, Doja Cat. Um, her tour sold out in, like, 20 minutes. 
Um, wow. That's another artist who like hustled and developed um, and just really, really kept working on her audience. And just to see that within 20 minutes, her, her tour selling out is mind blowing because it makes my job a little harder because I know now people want tickets and I really can't <laughs> help them out. So, um, yeah. so those are the yeah. ones I'm really excited for, man. But like nice. I said, where people can reach me on uh, Instagram, um, it's at MaxGTV. Um, yeah, that's really nice. it, man. Nice. And then I like to ask this, this question as well. Um, it's the big thing that we focus on, um, you know, with unsigned with the podcast and the company studio talk, but what would the name of your personal playlist be? Uh, my personal playlist. I, cause yeah. like I said, I've been a fan of what you've been doing and I've been hearing this question. So I actually oh, got a moment it. to think about it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to tie it back to touring and I'm going to call it triple a, which is access all areas. So hey. in my mind, on my playlist, it's kind of accessed in all areas of my mind. So on my playlist, you'll find everything from like a baby Keen to snow Allegra to Hall of Notes to Michael Jackson to lucky day. So I'm accessing all areas when it comes to my music choice. Um, so that, that's kind of, that works for me. Triple A access all areas. Uh, I love it. I love it, man. It's so dope. Well, uh, Hey man, I appreciate the time once again. And uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll have to get up. Um, after these these uh, nice successful summer spring and summer dates that you have, and, and you know, hopefully we can get you back on and, and talk about some more stuff down the road as well. Yeah, bro, I got to get you out to a show. Yeah, man, absolutely, I'm game. Yeah, we'll find something. That K Tronada one, I'm definitely, definitely you, uh, about that, man. Yeah, that that album Bubble is amazing. I got my 18 uh, month old daughter listening to that on the regular as well. So. <laughs> No, <laughs> man. Yeah, we got to have a jam session with our kids, man, for sure. For, for sure. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, you know, we'll stay in touch. All right, bro. Thank you for the time and the opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Take care. We'll talk soon.